This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Oh, Hashem, help us. So, very, very sad. Very, very sad. My heart is very, very broken. The reason that my heart is very broken is that yesterday, one of the Bnei Chabura that means one of the people that comes every every um, Tuesday night for the longest of time, and he was the most enjoyable man who came, never missed my share, and always had a good tire and a smile. He sat right in that empty chair, a little short man with a white beard. He passed away. Mm-hmm. He had a major heart attack, and we're not going to see him again until Mashiach. And my heart is broken. He had a massive heart attack and he passed away. And so tonight we're going to learn Lili Nishmas. Alexander Zev. So Alexander, he was, I have, to, I have to tell you a story. So he's for sure here. He's for sure left the Shiva house and he came to the Shiva. There's nothing to talk about. And just thinking about it makes me smile because he, he was just, the guys in the shir, you know, it says when someone in Chabura dies, the, the whole Chabura has to, has to do tshuva. So it's mashma that we didn't have the schus to save him. Because when they, when they make a, when they make a, um, in Shemayim, when they make a cheshben, if someone's supposed to live or die, part of that cheshben is the people that he will affect by dying. And, and if they have enough schusim, and because it'll hurt them, Hashem saves that person. But I guess we didn't have enough schusim. Because it definitely affects me. I have a very big hole in my heart. That I, I even driving up here tonight, I was like, I cannot believe he's. Not, he was always the first one here, always the first one here. So I have to tell you a story about what happened with him two weeks ago. So two weeks last week he wasn't here. Remember, we, we I said we're learning for Fur Shalem Alexander Zabay Malk. He wasn't here last week. He was so excited because he loved you know Pesach. He loved me when all my Torahs on Pesach. So the the Tuesday night before Purim, I was in Florida. I wasn't here. Now I told you guys the week before that that I would be in Flo- I won't be here, but I didn't tell you I wasn't having a shear. Now it seems to be that the word got around on on the on the chat, the app, or whatever it is. There was he said there's no shear. Now I didn't know that, so I I have a thing that if I'm not here, the shear is a shear kavua. It's a shear seventeen years every Tuesday night. So if I'm not here. Rabbi Ginsburg, Rabbi Lamb, somebody, right, has to give the shear. You cannot, otherwise I'm not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to leave a shear kabul unless, so the shear doesn't have to be the maggot shear, the person who's giving the shear has to be there. But the shear, because those people are giving away an hour of learning, an hour of learning every single Tuesday night. So you can't break that. So I didn't know that the word got out in the chat that I'm not, that there's no shear. So I called Rabbi Lamb the day before. I said, Rabbi Lamb, I'm not going to be a Tuesday night before Purim, but it's the Tuesday night before Purim. Purim is Wednesday night, right? So you got to, you got to, you got to give the share for me. He said, "Fine, no problem." He's going to give the share. Fine. I'm in Florida, whatever it is. I call him. I always call him after the share. He finishes a quarter to twelve. He drives to Muncie. I'm like, "Rabbi Lamb, my boys were there. How'd it go?" He goes, "Well." The Lushan Ramiza, like in a hinting way, I just want to tell you something. 
even if there's one person that's worth it to give a share. I'm like, I'm a lamb? There was one person? <laughs> he goes, yeah. Nobody was there. Just this one older man, shortish, with a white beard. I'm like, Alexander. He was sitting like straight ahead, one seat to the right. He goes, yeah. I said, you didn't walk out and say there's no shear? He said, no. He said, he's here, he wants a shear. He said, I spoke for over an hour. And he, he, he sent me today a text of what he spoke about. Of Chesed and Shlachman, and you don't know anything about this man. He did every Friday, he would collect food from the stores that were closing and they, they had food left over and he would give it to poor people. He was a one man to Cheshavish. He was an amazing person, amazing person. So he gave a share to, to him, one on one. So the last share that Alexander had, a, the last share that he had was. was what? No, he didn't have a chat. He had an old phone. See? You're right. Okay, so imagine. Right? No iPhone. So he didn't miss the share. And he said to Rabbi Lamb, he said, I'm here. Give the share. Rabbi Lamb said, I felt like the room was full. To talk to him, he was very, very smart. He was a professor in Torah. He, he said, to talk to him was like the whole room was full. So the last share on earth that he came to Tuesday night was one on one. This is Rabbi Lamb. So I learned two things from that. Number one, you cannot miss that share. Number two, you never know. Every share can be your last share. He could have said, you know, Walsh is not here. There's no one here. I'm going home. No, I come every Tuesday night. Let's have a share. The lamb said it was fire. It was fire. It was a great share. He said he felt like the whole room was full. I was talking just to him. And he sat there for night. He's a very smart man. He was at the Torah and Dvar Shabbat. So tonight we're learning Eli Nishmas Alexander Zev Ben Mayer. It's hard to believe that seat will be empty forever until Mashiach comes. Very hard, very hard, very hard. We're also learning Eli Nishmas Nisim's parents was Yosef ben Moshe and Yona bas Yosef. Nisim lost both his parents this year, within six months. Okay, Shvili Nishmas, I can't believe we're never, we're not gonna have, and, and, and you know, always for Minion, always for Minion, always for Minion. 61, 62, I don't know, right, yeah. He was best friends with Albert Kahn, the tall guy who comes, his best friend. They know each other since they were little kids. So I made a mistake last week. Baruch Hashem, he wasn't here. He was gone to Shemayim with a mistake. They were told him in Yeshiva Shemayim, what is he talking about, Wallerstein? <laughs> What's going on over here? He wasn't here last week, so he didn't hear my mistake. So I have to correct for everyone who's listening to the Shir. Well, this is the last lake here. What does love have to do with it? I made a very big mistake. And my mistake was, and I learned a very big lesson from this mistake. My mistake was that I said last week that for some reason as kids, we learned that the, that the matzah baked on their backs. Impossible. For matzah to bake, it has to be 250 degrees. If, if the matzah baked, the person baked. So I said, I don't know where that came from. But, so I thought it came from the pasuk because the pasuk says... But you offer us a butter, it says like this. They ran out, right? By Yisa Amas Bitseko, the nation um, lifted up their the dough, right? Terem Yachmat before it could rise. They wrapped it in clothing and they put it over their shoulders. Okay? That's that's how we we know the matzah was over their shoulders. 
And by Yisru B'nai Yisrael, may Ramsay, Sukosa. And Klai Yisrael went from Mitzrayim to Ramsay to Sukosa. By Yafu Sabatak Shetu Mitzrayim. And they baked the, the dough that they took out of Mitzrayim. So it sounds like, where did the, where did the dough bake? Where did they bake the dough? In Sukkos. Right? Dough didn't bake on their backs. They, by Yafu Sabatak, they baked. Not the, the offer, they bake the, 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 the dough. Asher to Mitzrayim. Ugaish Matzos, round Matzos. So it shouldn't become a company. Gushim would try him. Because they threw him out of a tribe. And they didn't have time to bake it. They weren't prepared. So they didn't bake it in a tribe. They went to Sukosa and they put it in the office and they baked it there. So where's the story that it baked on their back? So I understood that it was a, 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 an old wife's tale that we thought it baked on his back because when we learned in Chumash's kids, they put it on their back and then it was matzah. Uh, baked on their back. How can it bake on their back? Can't be that hot. Okay. Now, just don't do what I do, because I do cuckoo cool things. But every morning, I wear, that's not, this you should do. Uh, every morning I wear Rabbeinu Tamstone. I wear Rashi, I wear Rabbeinu Tamstone. When you're Rabbeinu Tamstone, you're supposed to wear, you're supposed to learn Mishnayas and Halach with your Rabbeinu Tamstone. So I've admitted, like, every day, I open up my sitter to Pekiyavos, I point, without looking, I point, and I learn that Mishnah. And that's sort of a message to me. Next, last week I gave the shit Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, I open up the picky elbows, I put my finger, and what it says that you have to be very careful. Call up Halacha, anyone who passes something that isn't true, surfing again, he's gonna end up in Gehenim. I'm like, whoa, what did I say last night? That wasn't true. I mean that's what the mission said. I just put my finger on there. I went over the I went over the what I my, what I said and I was like, There's nothing I said last night that wasn't true. Well, you know what? If you learn something as a kid, don't make fun of it and say, how could it be 250 degrees over your shoulder? Right? Maybe there's a medrash that said a bake on their backs. I looked at the medrash. No. So you know what? Let me go to the plastic. Let me look at all the mafarshim on the plastic and see if anyone says that the matzah baked on their backs on its own. Thank you, Hashem, that I did that, because you never want to teach Torah that isn't true. But the F was about sake. They baked the, um, they baked it on their back. Says the Evan Ezra. The dough. They took out of it. It wasn't done yet, right? They didn't bake it at until they got to Sukkos. So the Evan Ezra says very clearly, it did not bake on their back. They got to Sukkos and they baked it. Okay? The Rambam. Says the Rambam. Now, okay, now, so I say, but say, they carried the dough, and it was wrapped in their clothing over their shoulder, Umaharu, and they hurried up, but Ofu Terem Yichmat, and they baked it before it became Chamech, Bederech. They baked it somewhere on the way, Oibesukos. Or like the Evan Ezra says, they baked it in Sukkos, says the Ramban, Kishabo Shamlushakala. They were there very short, they put them in the oven, and they baked. So, so far, I was like, nope, Wallstein, you didn't say anything wrong. Ebenezer says very clearly, Rabban says very clearly, 
that, is, that they baked it in an oven in Sukkos. Okay, or on the way. Onward. Daskenim. No, what is in Daskenim? Now, the Arachayim says, what are you talking about? They left Mitzrayim with the dough. They have 18 minutes to bake it. It took them a lot more than 18 minutes to get to Sukkos. So it, had to, it became Chametz. So the Arachayim says, like, what are you talking about over here? What are you saying that they baked it in Sukkos? The reason they baked it into matzah and not into challah because they weren't allowed to eat chametz. That's why they made a matzah. It definitely took up a long time from when they needed the dough until they baked the dough. They were very busy with it, so they didn't let it rise. It was on their shoulders. Why did they carry the dough on their shoulder? Why did they put it in their wagon? Right? Because when it was on their shoulder, they were able to work on it. When they were working on it, they didn't give it a chance to rise. As long as you're working on the dough, it doesn't rise. Okay? So that bothered the Orachayim too. So it didn't bake on their back. Okay, now. It was, it was doing it on the backs the whole time. But it was that's, what you, that's what David says, yeah. They were busy with it. 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 I mean, as it says, it's clearly, clearly they baked it um, in Sukkos. Now came, I said, my last place to look is the Yardison Benoziel. And I went cuckoo. Listen carefully. Mahavakatim in Lisha da Pukum in Mitzrayim. They took the dough that they made in Mitzrayim and they put it on their heads. You ever see Arab women when they carry the baskets on their heads? So there's like a piece of cloth between the basket and their head. So he says over here that they put a piece of cloth down and and they and they put the and they put the dough on top of that piece of cloth. And it baked on its own from the heat of the sun. Because they didn't have time to bake it in Mitzrayim. They baked on their head from the sun. Now, come on. The sun's not that hot. If it's that hot to bake that on their head into a matzah, there's no way they didn't get a heat stroke. Perish Yenison says the following. And the, the bread baked from the sun. Like it says later, They didn't have time to wait to bake the dough in an oven. So he argues with Devin Ezra, right? Hashem made a miracle in the Ephraim. It never hit 250 degrees. It never even hit 100 degrees. Hashem made a nace 
that the son was able to bake the dough into matzah. Yeah, Yerushim Benazir, Rabbi Walfin, was 100% wrong what he said last week. And that's where that comes from as kids, that the son baked the matzahs. It's a Yerushim Ben Uziel. And thank you, Hashem, for letting me see and not continually making this mistake. And that that's where it comes from. Yes, everyone else argues and says they baked it in sukkahs, they baked it in the derech, they were busy with it, Arachayim says. But the Yosem and Uziel says, it wasn't, they put it on their heads, and Hashem made a miracle, they didn't get hot, and the sun made it into matzah. Now we got big problems with this. Huge problems. There's a Gemara in Psachim. And the Gemara Pesachim says that bread that's baked by the sun is not considered bread ever. And it's, you can't make a mozi on it. So then how could you say that it became matzah and that's the matzah that they ate? It's not considered matzah according to the Gemara Pesachim. So Hashem led me further. So I looked at Yasmin and I was very happy. But I got this safer. I told you about the Sefer. It's a plus. This is the one that talks about Binyamin being a werewolf, right? So I said, you know what? Let me see if he says anything. Because this is like some weird stuff. Like the, a miracle, the dough on your head became matzah, right? Depending on how big your head is, that's how big the matzah was. Size seven, size six and three quarters, like a Borsalino hat. You know what I'm saying? I got a size seven and a half matzah because that's my size of my head, right? So I want to read to you what he says. It's not everything. It's not everything. Imagine this is something we never even talked about. And I was like, so wrong. So he writes to follow. The Targum Yanison Isa, he brings down the Targum Yanison. That when the Bnei Shor went out of Mitzrayim, they went out with the dough that they needed. And they put it on uh, towels on their head. And the matzah became matzah from the heat of the sun. Alexander would be sitting here, he would be so happy. This is right up his alley. He's sitting here. How could you be Yaitzah, the Chayv of Matzah, if the sun did it? The Gemara says, That dough that's, that's dough that's baked from the sun, you don't have to give challah from it. And the, the Shilte Gibarim says, Isha and Eva Bechama in the Koy Lechem. In Dafgid Aleph it says, the dough that's baked in the sun ain't a kroy lechem, it's not called bread. The aim of You don't even make a hamaitzi on it. It's mezainais. Maybe that's where it comes from, I don't know. Why should the sun make any difference? What? Why should the sun make any difference? It's a I don't know. I, so you have to look up the Gemara Mpsachim. Taflamad Zayat Amad Aleph. Why? I'm sure that the Gemara explains why. Make shahakal. But that's halacha. It's a nefesh b'chama enu kore lechem. Enu v'vachan alei ha'maiti. For sure it can't get baked fast enough. It can't get baked in 18 minutes. That was a miracle. But normally, I don't care if you, it can't get baked in 18 minutes in the sun. Ve'en yoytzim b'yip pesach You can't use it on Pesach. Ve'en oifin isha b'chama b'pesach. And you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to put dough in the sun on Pesach, because it's going to become chametz. The dough that the, the flour that we use when we make matzah, you're not allowed to use it the day that it's ground. You know that it has to wait a day because it's very hot from the grindstones. So you surely can't put dough in the sun. The matzah factory is very cool. 
The water is very cool. You can't put it in the sun. So how can they put it in the sun? So the Padish Yosef answers and he says, the matzah that baked in the sun, they didn't use for the eating matzah. They just needed this for eating. Now, it gets much more interesting. What did the Jews do for 40 years? They were in the Midbar. They didn't have dough. They were in a desert. They had mud. Can you make matzah from mun? Did they eat matzah every Pesach in the Midbar? So, let's see what he says. It seems to be that when they went out, they didn't have any other dough. They didn't have anything extra. The Pesach says, They had no food. They went out without food. They was all be talking. I'll tell you a beautiful story tonight, which I told you many years ago, but it's just, it's unbelievable, right? So they had no food. So therefore, they didn't keep the mitzvah of matzah, even though, didn't they not have a bris milah those 40 years? So they weren't allowed to keep Pesach? Didn't they have a bris milah right before they went there to Israel? Mm, okay, we'll have to check this out. But anyway... They didn't have. They didn't have. You can't tell me that they ate the man and said it should taste like matzah, and therefore we're keeping that chilas matzah. You can tell me ritva kedushin, kedushin, that there's a ritva in kedushin. I sound like I really know what I'm talking about, right? There's a ritva in kedushin. It's a pimple shit today. There's a ritva in kedushin that says she ain't matzah You cannot use the man for matzah. Why? What's wrong? Think in your mind, the mud is matzah, and eat it with shame, it's matzah. So he gives a couple of reasons. He says, first of all, the mud was sweet. It, 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 if you look at the translation, it's, it, the Chumash says by the mud that it was bidvash. Dvash is meperos. If you make matzah flour with dvash, it's it's a uh, it's a mezainis. see, right? So it can't be that they use the man. The davish ain't chimutz because um, any fruit juice, right? It's called matzah sashira, eggs or fruit juice. The matzah doesn't become chametz. But if it can't become chametz, then it can't become matzah. It's also a rich man's matzah. It's not a poor man, and our matzah is a lechemayni. If you have eggs, it's called it's called the matzia Right. So therefore, you definitely could not use the man. And he says, "Give me You're not allowed to leave over the man. So, so, so the, the how did they how did they, uh, how did they um, so the halacha is like this. The halacha is. That the matzah that you eat, you have to be able to be kosher for all seven days. So, but the, but the man, you only can eat by one day. Whatever you left over became wormy. 
so it couldn't be used for seven days. So if it can't be used, if the month can't be used for seven days, then it's also the davish elay heta ba'achila kol shiva ein yaitzim ba'yideicha basay. That's also gemara m'sachim. So there's no way that they could have used the man. Plus, what do you say? Mighty lechem in aretz. Man is mighty lechem in hashemayim. That was the bracha. So you can't make hamaytzi on the matzah. So he's ripping it up. And he's pretty much saying, it's very interesting. If you have flour, if you have, listen to this guys, if you have wheat and you're growing it in a pot and the pot doesn't have a hole on the bottom, it's called an enonakov. So the pot's not, con- not connected to the ground, right? Then according to halacha, you cannot use that wheat for matzah. Shei efsha lotzeis yidechayvas matzah bechitim shigalu ba'atzah she'enu nachiv. A matzah that grows in a pot that doesn't have a hole, you're not allowed to use that flower. The bladnu lechem lechem mechalu ubechalu simi lechem ha'aretz. It has to come from the ground. So that so if you if you grew wheat in water hydroponics, it's called hydroponics. You grew it in water. You could not use it for matzah. It's Gemara. Now, what does the Chidah say? Ah. Ooh. Chidah says, what are you talking about? They brought Karbanos. The whole time they were in the Midbar. How did they bring Minchos that were made out of flour? They had no flour, says the Chidah. How did they bring Mincha? <laughs> what about the Lechem Apanim? Every week they had Lechem Apanim, but you just told me they have no flour. So how did they get Lechem Apanim? No, Chidah. Writes the name of River Ephraim, Shalmah B'Shem Go'ine Kamoi. He said in the names of the Go'inim before us. Shemin Amon Nase Gwine Chita. They took the Mon, and from the Mon they made Kernels of flour, magubal kiisa sheish by mayim harbe, umehem higuibu minachas v'lechem hapanim. So you see, ufidavar v'lacharish shapo hayilchem lolish eats limitzas matzah. Since they could use that for lechem hapanim, and they could use it for minachas, so they could use those wheat kernels for for matzah. Well, they had onions, so yeah, but they took the. I guess they took the part of the mon that didn't. And they made that into kernels. It, I have a chumash. I have a chumash. It tasted like, let's go to the mun. You know, that's where the word glida comes from. Do you know that? It comes from the mun. You guys know that? The word glida, ice cream, right? Comes from the mun. I bet you didn't know that. We're learning all kinds of new stuff tonight. If you wanted it to. Maybe in, in its pure state, it, it tastes like honey. Where it didn't go on the ground, though. That's another thing. All right, so that so so, so the chidah is saying that they somehow they made kernels out of it. I don't know. He he's arguing. He's saying that how, how did you make lechem apanim? What? I don't know. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say how they did it. He just said they made it into kernels. I'd have to look deeper into the chidah. He's just taking a little piece out of it. But let's just take a look at the man for a second. The man says the following. Uh, uh. 
see how it tasted. It was very thin. It was like a wafer. Okay? So if you look into the Uklis, he says, Like ice cream on the... Like, that's where it comes from. Ice cream on the ground. They didn't know what it was. Where does it say in the Trik Midvash? Maybe it's when it repeats the whole story, but it does say it tasted like honey. They ate it for 40 years. It uses the word that was like honey. I don't see it right now. Maybe when it repeats the whole story. Rashi says that it was a thin wafer that was between two two layers of dew or the morning dew. Kakfar Feglida Balaz. It was like ice cream on the ground. Feglida Alaara. What's where the word comes from? Why'd they call it Manhu, guys? So if you don't know what it is, why'd you give it a name? Huh? The Torah tells us. Why'd they call it Manhu? It's man. Because they didn't know what it was. So if you didn't know what it was, why'd you call it man? What kind of answer is that? Because they didn't know what it was, we called it man. Manhu. How do you understand that? The Territ says, take the word manhu. What does it spell? You split around the words. Amuna. Aleph, mem, nun. Okay. Aleph, Mem, Vav, Nun, Hey, Amuna. Vayom Ishalachim, Manhu. We have no idea what this is, right? Kiloyadei Amahu, they called it Manhu. It's Amuna. It's just a food of belief. It's a lechem of belief. It's Amuna. Exactly. But left alone. Left alone, no thoughts. It tasted like, it tasted like a wafer, a honey wafer. So there's a lot going on here on this mistake that I made last week. A lot. A lot going on here. And yes, so, so according to, according to all the other Mepharshim, it's not a question. They baked it. So it's matzah. Only according to the Yonis of Menuziel, that it baked on the, by the chama from the sun, and the sun, you're not chayev, you're not chayev and chala, therefore it's not matzah, that's where all the problems begin. But the Yonis of Menuziel was big. Huge. If he says it, it's not stam. It didn't bake on their back, it baked on their heads. But they put it on their heads and it baked. And, and Taka wasn't that hot, because it was that hot, there was no way. So Taka was just an ace. It was a, just an ace. Anyway, so, there's two things I want to say tonight. What? 
according to the Yom Zemenuziel? Only according to what the Chidov says. That they somehow made it into flour, and the same way the the same way the you can bring a mincha from that flour because it was considered flour, and the same way you could make the lechem upon him from that flour. However, they did it, so the same way you can make matzah from the flour. Mm. That's right about the man. No, the other one. The Arachaim says, one second. You tell me that they baked it in an oven, let's say, right? But from them went to Mitzrayim until they got to Sukkos, more than 18 minutes. So, so it's, it's too late to put it in the oven. At 19 minutes, it's chametz. So, what, so he said that why did, why did they put it on their shoulders? Why did they put it in the wagon? Why are you schlepping stuff on? He said the whole time they were kneading it, kneading it, kneading it, so they didn't give it a chance to rise. So, Archaim. But no one but the Yerzin Nazil says the sun did it. And this, what? So 18 minutes. What? It seems to be that they didn't give it a chance to rise. We we hold 18 we hold 18 minutes left alone. So you can't figure left like so, so we we talk it don't stop for one second. Matzah matzah is the yetzatayv. Yetzatayv is you want to do mitzvahs and everything else. The yetzatayv you have to keep working, 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 working. Chametz is the opposite. It's the yetzahara. Just leave everything. Everything's random. We spoke about this last week. Everything just happens. It starts off this little, you leave it alone, it becomes a big challah. That's chametz. And that's why we have to get rid of chametz. That's what we spoke about last week. Anyway, so there's two things. I've said it before, but I said it over today. It's so important. And, and at the same time, we had a tragedy this week. We also had a big simcha. Um, Alexander passed away. The old man with the white beard. Yeah. He had a heart attack on Monday. Yesterday was Leviathan. My tzaddik, my little tzaddik. It was amazing. He didn't miss a shear. He was always here on time. He was amazing. And he always had a gematria or a It's a huge void. But at the same time, Yosef, who sat right here next to me for 58 years or seven years, got married this week. Sunday night. It's where the world goes. But again, if someone passed away in your Chabura, you have to do tshuva. Everyone has to think, why couldn't we save him? That's it. Till Mashiach comes, I'm going to see him. All my shirim, everything. 61? 62? Young guy. Great. Always with a smile. Always with a dry title. Yeah, you have to hop around, guys. You have to hop around. So, there's a Kasha. And, and and it happens to be, it is, you know, you don't know how close I feel about everyone that's in this class. I I take it very seriously. When someone's missing, it's a very big void. I lost I lost my my nechama uh, this year, um, Nancy Rubenstein, who was my poet, who also sat right in front of me for eight years, um, and then passed away this year, a few days after Tishabov. So in Or Nava, I lost a, a Tamida that was very close to me. And now in Or Yitzchak, here in this Chabura, I lost a Talmud that was very, very close to me. He was, we were very close, the two of us. And I, I just had a Nechama, and the week I wasn't here, he was here, and Rabbi Lamb was here. One-on-one, nobody else was here. Amazing story. It's an amazing story. And, I, and Rabbi Lamb, I, 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 te- I called him to tell him that he passed away, he just started crying. He's like, I, it was just us, just the two of us. I'm like, I know. I know. So this gave me a lot of chizik. And I told it to my seminary. 
Um, this is a very big question. We've spoken about this before. And the question is that the halacha is when you make haroses, when you make haroses for the seder, you have to use sweet red wine. Some people use cinnamon. Some svadim, uh, I think you use dates. Use dates. We use apples. It's got to be sweet. Haroses has to be sweet. You dip the bitter mara. Takes a little bit. Oh, in fact, sometimes in my family, after the second seder, we have this whole thing of apple of haroses. We give it out for dessert. Everybody eats all the haroses because it's like it's like an applesauce with cinnamon in it. It's amazing and wine. It's delicious. So if you look at the shulchan aruch, it says that you should use sweet red wine, specifically red wine. Why? Because what is haroses in memory of? Haroses was in memory of the bricks. Now you ever get those packages that they used to send in the mail? From that yeshiva, they were collecting money. That's charoses. I don't know if you ever try open it up. That was not much like a brick. If you ever open it up, it's like a brick, right? So, so charoses looks muddy, right? It's brown. It looks muddy. It looks thick. Like bricks. Why do you have to use red wine? So the the reason you have to use red wine is because what are we remembering? And the the the, the, the had a game. If the Jews didn't make enough bricks and finish their job, wherever there wasn't enough bricks, they would put a baby. So if they didn't have bricks, they would take a baby, and stick it into the space, and then cement them in. And the baby, of course, would die. Would cry, and then it would die. Mamish, could you imagine? We, even, the, even the Nazis didn't do that. The Jews had to work and watch their children dying in the wall, because they weren't fast enough to make enough bricks. Torture. So to remember that, Blood of those children, we use wine, red wine, not white wine. So Shushan Pinkus said, I don't have. He said, Yes, the biggest question in the world. You're supposed to make it sweet? Remembering dead Jewish babies that were put as a brick in the wall to remember them? Charosa should be sweet. You should be using red wine vinegar, lemon. It should be the most bitter thing. It's much bitter than Mara. What's Mara? Like Mara's Chayyim. They were slaves. Okay, we're not the only slaves that ever lived there. They got whipped. They got beat. They got worked. They got, okay, it's, it's like Mara's Chayyim. They made our lives bitter. But that doesn't compare to taking a person's child and putting it in a wall and cementing them in. So, you want me to dip my Mara, which is my bitter life that I'm going through? Oh, make it sweet. Dip it in dead babies. Hello? This is, this is nuts. What a bomb question. It's like a bomb. It's like a nuclear bomb. It's bigger than Iran's nuclear bomb. It's huge. Well, what's going on over here? And then, and then Red Wallstein's kids, they, we eat it afterwards, you know, for applesauce? Dead babies, you're eating for applesauce? What are you crazy? Red wine vinegar. You should put it in your mouth and spit it out. They killed our children. What's going on over here? This is the question to ask at the Seder. Yeah, we did a few years, two years ago. But it's such an important, especially after this tragedy. So, you have to know the Medrash. If you know the Medrash, you know the answer. The Medrash is a pleadic of Medrash. And the Medrash in Beshalach says the following. When Israel was in the, in the Nile River, in, in the, I'm sorry, in the Yam, and Hashem split the Yam, so the Mitzrayim followed behind them. Followed behind them. 
And the the Sar of the Mitzrayim, the angel, the guardian angel in the next world, if the Mitzrayim get destroyed, he gets destroyed. Actually, he gets destroyed, then they get destroyed. So when Hashem said, okay, all the Mitzrayim are in the Yam, now we're just going to wipe out Mitzrayim, the Sar got up and said, I want to defend my people, my children, I think what you're doing is wrong. Why? He says, I'm only quoting your Torah, Hashem. He says, the halacha is like this. There are three cardinal sins. Shrikas Damim, killing someone. Gilead Royas, adultery. And avoid the Zara. For those three sins, you have to give up your life. If someone puts a gun to you and says, I want you to be Machal Shabbos, or I'm going to kill you, you should be Machal Shabbos. If someone puts a gun to your head and says, I want you to eat pork, or I'm going to kill you, you're allowed to eat pork. But if he says, I want you to bow down to this Buddha, or bow down to an idol, or I'm going to kill you, you have to say, kill me. If he says, I want you to be with this married woman, and commit adultery, or I'm going to kill you, you have to be killed. If he says, shoot this guy, or I'm going to shoot you, you have to let them shoot you. Those are the three things you have to give your life up for. Three cardinal sins. Shrikas Damim, killing, avoid the bowing down, and adultery. Which should scare you very much that adultery is together with murder and avoid the Zara. You would think that murder, whoa, avoid the Zara, whoa, adultery should be one of those three? Yeah. Adultery, you're sinning to God and you're also for the person the wife is married to, you're stealing from him. So you're doing a bin Adam Lechavero and a bin Adam Lamakom in one shot. What? Yes, it's like, didn't do it. The Pazak says, and what the teacher said, do it with me, I can't do it against my master. Right. Right. Well, it's, 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 he also said, I can't do it against my master, but, but I can't do it against Hashem because that would be a cuffly type. He gave me everything, so it was both. So adultery is as bad as murder or bowing down to an idol. Because those are the three that you have to give your life up for. What happens? A guy puts a gun to your head and says, I want you to bow down to this idol. Now really you're supposed to let him shoot you, right? But you have kids and a family and you're like, I know Hashem, you're going to be angry, but I'm bowing down. And he bows down to the idol. What's the halacha? Is he chayiv? Or is he potter? Is he guilty? Or is he not guilty? The Shulchan Aruch Paskins is not guilty. Why? Because he's an inus. Okay, put a gun to his head. So really, you should give up your life. And that's what you're supposed to do. But if you don't, we can't say it's an Avera. Your life, we can't say it's an Avera. You didn't do the right thing, but it's not an Avera. All three of them. Came the Malach, it's an unbelievable medrash. Came the Malach of Mitzrayim and said, Hashem, why do you want to drown my children? Hashem said, Mida Kenegim Mida, you drown my children. Mitzrayim threw my children into the Nile River. You drown my children, I'm drowning your children. So the Malach said, but your halacha is, you're right. When Paro told the Mitzrim to either you throw the Jewish kids into the Nile, or I'm going to kill you, because whoever else listens to the king, so you're either going to listen to me, or I'm going to hang you, right? So really, the Mitzrim should have said, Paro, hang us. Right? Because you're not allowed to kill someone else to save your life. But the halacha is, 
But if you don't, if you do kill the other person to save your life, are you chayiv? No. Jewish law. He said to Hashem, how could you, how could you punish my, 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 my children, my Mitzrayim? They, they, their lives were on the line if they didn't listen to Paro, and therefore they listened to Paro. So even though they did the wrong thing, but they're not chayiv, so you can't drown them. They know how to learn these malachim, man. They know how to learn. So there was a problem in Shemayim. Big problem. Hashem said he's right. Can't drown him. So the malach Michal, or Gabriel Michal, I think it was, said, then they're going to catch up to the Jews and wipe them out. They had weapons. We didn't. According to Salman Diyar, Chavushim doesn't mean weapons. So the malach Michal said, give me a second, whatever split second is in Shemayim. And he ran down to Mitzrayim and he ripped the baby out of the wall, dead baby. And he came flying up and he threw, the Medrash says, he threw the baby to the floor of the Kisar covered in front of Hashem. And he said, Hashem, they're right about Paro told them to throw the kids into the Nile and they, did, and they listened, they didn't listen, they saved their lives. But show me where Paro ever told them to take babies and put them in the wall. That was the Mitzrayim's evil. They did that on their own. So they were not in any danger of giving up their lives. So because of the babies, drown them. And the Medrash says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at the baby that was on the floor, and he said, wipe them off the face of the earth. And all the waters came down, destroyed the Mitzrayim. So what saved us? The babies in the wall. And that's the sweetness in the Chalaisas. Even in the worst thing that happened to us, the Yeshua was in that terrible thing. And therefore, Charoises has to be made with something sweet. Because if it wasn't for those bricks, if it wasn't for the memory of those babies, we would have been wiped off the face of the earth. So the Allah is that you should take your marah, which represents your bitterness in life, and what you're going through, whether or not married, whether or not having children, with problems with Shalom bias, with I can't get a panasa, I can't get this done, I can't get this done. And we all, you know, the, the Pesach Seder, your freedom, you're supposed to talk about your freedom. You know, my, 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 my parents always spoke about the Holocaust, how they came out of the Holocaust. There are people that say that I was, you know, I was a drug addict and I'm clean. I, I, somebody told me that he had a Seder and there was a bunch of kids that were, that were, Recovering, I had recovered, and one had one year and two years, and they got up, and they, it was amazing. It was an amazing state. He said, I was a slave too. I was a slave to my drugs. I was a slave. I couldn't, I, I had no life. I had nothing. I lived in darkness. I was my Mitzrayim. You know what Mitzrayim stands for? Mitzrayim. You know what Mitzrayim stands for? Narrowness. Your neck is Mitzrayim. It's the most narrow part of your body. The most narrow part of your body. Your head, your neck, and your body. Your neck is the most narrow part of your body. Mitzrayim made them feel narrow, dark, depressed. Mitzah, that's where the word Mitzrayim comes from. And these, these kids sat there and they, were, and they were saying like, this is where I, I, was, I was in Mitzrayim. It was my Mitzrayim. I was a slave. Not to a guy whipping me. I was a slave to a needle. I was a slave to a pill. I was a, a, a slave to a, to a joint. I was a slave to a bottle of alcohol. And now I'm free. Everyone has their Mitzrayim. Everyone has their Yitzias Mitzrayim. Everyone, ha- everyone has their nace of coming out of Mitzrayim. It says, you should, you should be like you were there. What do you mean I wasn't there? Yeah, but what about your Mitzrayim that you were in? Your depression, your darkness that you came out of, that Hashem took you out of. 
So he said it was the most amazing Seder. Each guy was getting up. It's like, I'm two years out of Mitzrayim. I'm two months out of Mitzrayim. I'm ten years out of Mitzrayim. I don't look back. He says, you're not allowed to go back to Mitzrayim, the Torah says. You're never allowed to go back to Mitzrayim. That's what he says. You're never allowed to go back to drugs, man. You're never allowed to go back to alcohol. I'm out. I'm out of Mitzrayim. It was like, it was like a crazy Seder. Crazy Seder. Because they were all talking about their Mitzrayim. So it's not just sitting with the Seder and talking, oh, the Jews are what about what you went through in life? Your questions, how you came out, of things in your life, when you, know, you weren't married for a while, and then you found the shidduch. You know, that'll help anyway, because if you talk like that, and then I found my way out of Mitzrayim, and look what I found, the geula, my wife, then you're definitely going to have a good shulchan oireich. going to have a lot to eat that night, that's for sure, right? We all have a Mitzrayim. We all have our questions and our darknesses, and we all, have to, and we, we all come out of that. And, and, and that's part of the celebration. That's part of the celebration. You know, Lashana Abab B'nei Chayrin means different things to different people. Hashte Avde, now I'm a servant. Next day I want to be free. What are you a servant to? I'm a servant to my alcohol. I'm a servant to my drugs. I'm a servant to my money. I'm a servant to my covet. I'm a servant to the Yitzhahara. But Lashana Abab B'nei Chayrin, next day I want to be free, Hashem. I want to be free of my Yitzhahara. I want to be free of my drugs. I want to be free of my depression. Tomorrow I'm going down to a Mitzrayim. I'm getting up early in the morning and I'm flying to a rehab in Florida to see a girl who's in Mitzrayim. She's in deep Mitzrayim. And I'm going there because it's Ere Pesach and, and, and she has no family and she's alone amongst all Goyim. One Jew. Amongst hundreds. It's a huge, huge, huge rehab. And it's not a rehab for drugs. It's a rehab for... for eating disorders and all kinds of depression and all kinds of other stuff. And she's in Mitzrayim. She's like, well, do you think I'm going to be out by Pesach? You think I'm going to be out of my Mitzrayim by Pesach? I'm like, yeah, we're going to make it happen. It happened in a moment. That's my second lesson for tonight. So, yeah. So we all have, we all have this Mitzrayim. And we all have our Maror. And Hashem says, take your maror and dip it in haroses. Dip it into thing that looks so bad. But understand that in that bad, in that pain is where all your gain is. In those bricks laid the geula for Klai Yisrael. And if you understand that, if you understand that in your pain lays your salvation, then your pain will become much easier. So take your maror and dip it in the haroses and make your maror sweet. By understanding that in the greatest pain is your savings. Godless. 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 So when I dip my Mara in the Haroises, since I learned that, it's like a whole different thing. So I don't understand why Alexander's not here. I don't understand. He looked forward to every single share. Maybe he saved all of us. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. He came to share. He learned... He did tzedakah. He was a rachamim. He was a balchaser. He was always smiling. You ever see him not smile? You ever see him angry, upset? Never. He's not here. So it's mara. It's mara. It's bitter. It's, it's the rest of my life until Mashiach comes. I'm not going to have him on my shir. There's, there's, there's a hole. But there's a reason. So when you dip your mara into the haroises and you understand that some of the most bitter things in life and the hardest things in life, there's a reason. There's a geula from it. So you makabal it. Makes it easier. Which brings me to the second point. And we'll end with this. So, 
it's a beautiful story and I also say it every single year but there are just certain things you just can say over and over and over and it, it just to have a little bit of an understanding because everybody does struggle and there's so much atheism it's like you know how many kids are going to sit by that Seder and like just go through it and not believe it's, it's not normal it's not normal you know I got up three years ago at the Gutter Convention and before the Gutter Convention and I spoke about Chil Shabbos on phones it was called half Shabbos kids that were half Shabbos they kept you don't touch lights and you don't put a tea bag in they don't do bayer but they they were on their phones on Shabbos and I said it's spreading it's spreading it's spreading yesterday I got a phone call from a very from woman from a very from school girl school very normal regular not BCA not my school Regular, from, from, from. She's a mother of a ninth grader. She caught her daughter with a phone that she got from a friend that they were watching movies on, things that they shouldn't have been watching, ninth grader. And then she found out that they were on that phone on Chavez. 50% of that ninth grade doesn't believe in Hashem I'm talking about 30 girls in a very from school they're talking to each other about how to be Mechal Shabbos without getting caught how to watch movies without getting caught they're reading the book by the, the guy who wrote that terrible terrible um, atheist book from um, from what's from Footsteps 50% of the class, if I told you the name of the school, the people would be very embarrassed at their school, whatever it is. But I said to the mother, it's rampant. It's everywhere. I got up. People said, oh, Rabbi Wallstein's saying it. He wants to spectacularize. He wants to get attention. He wants to say things. They're going to rock your world. What? How many kids are Mechalo Shabbos? They're from, from families. Two out of 10,000. 50% of a ninth grade. I'm talking solid school. I'm talking where you want to send your daughters. 50% don't believe in Hashem. And they're a group of kids. That talk to, they're talking to each other, her and her friends. And this girl is a very regular, from a regular, very from, not dysfunctional, not abused, not parents who work too hard, all your excuses you're going to come up with? No. It's rampant atheism. The Satan is going down. Mashiach is coming. Anyone who comes into Mashiach in the times of Mashiach and doesn't believe there's a God is finished. He's Erev Rav. He doesn't have a Geula. The Satan knows he's going down. He wants to take as many souls with him as he can. So it's no longer eh, talking to boys because that ain't, that ain't stopping you from seeing Mashiach. But Chil Shabbos Throwing Hashem's gift that he gave us as our jewelry, as his kala, throwing it in his face and saying, I don't believe that you exist, then you're not, then you're not goyal. And that's what's going on. He's going after everybody, everybody's kids, everybody's grandkids, everybody from the fullest homes. Whether it's a book or magazine or the internet or whatever it is. How many kids are sitting by that Pesach Seder thinking in their head, I cannot wait till this is over. This is stupid. Every year the same thing. My brother gets up and says 400 different Vatayras 
Who cares? Who cares what happened to a bunch of Jews and a bunch of Egyptians and a Sphinx and a Pharaoh? What do they know? They didn't have iPhones. Who cares about them? We're way past them. If I was a slave, I wouldn't have been a slave. I would have fought back. We would have had a rebellion. Those Jews were a bunch of weaklings. Israeli army would have taken care of them. Sure. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on. And I'll tell you why it hurts. Of course it hurts. It hurts for many reasons. I'm still holding on to that chat why Russia is next to the Chacham. Russia should be at the bottom. Chacham. Best. Tom. Shane Odisha, little kid, what do you want? Russia, the worst. Russia is right next to the Chacham. Why? Because he showed up to the Seder. He's saying, my boy, what is this? What are you doing? What are you doing? This is stupid, right? But he showed up. If he showed up, next year he'll be the Chacham. It's a kid that doesn't show up that you have to worry about. The kid that shows up and gives you the fight. I see that all the time. The kid that fights you, right? You take his hate, you turn it to love. Yeah, yeah, he's the biggest monster you ever met. The kid who doesn't care, who doesn't show up, is like, he's like trying to put a nail in jello. I call them the whatever kids. They're like, hey, you believe in God? Yo, whatever. I'm like, what am I going to do with him? I'm like, come on. You're going to put on your trillion tomorrow? Whatever. You're going to pay me for it? Hundred bucks, I'll do it. What am I doing with him? The other kid says, "What? What? I should put on tillin? What? I don't believe in God. What? All this stuff." He's angry. I'm like, "Nice, let's talk." <laughs> what are you so angry about? So the kid who shows up, even though he says, "Ma boy," he's he's angry, right? He's saying, "Ma boy," says, Like, what are you doing? He's not like, "Okay, hi, past past, you know, past the chicken." You know, pass the salad. He's not doing that. He, he's talking. He's not sitting there. He's not changing the list show. He's opening his mouth. Like, what is this stuff you're doing, man? Ooh. You're here? You're asking? We'll break your teeth. We'll go back and forth. Next thing, he's the chacham. Don't put him all the way on the bottom. Put him right next to the chacham. I think it's by ditch. It's, like, it's not by ditch. It's like, whoa. It's true. It's very true. But I'm going to tell you why it hurts. It hurts, like, because of this reason. So there's a Nevidika Medrash. Maybe they should put this here up tomorrow. There's a Nevidika Medrash. It's probably the most beautiful Medrash ever written. One of them. The Medrash says the following. When Hashem said to the angels, I want to go down to Mitzrayim, Ani, below Malach. No angels, me. Ani, below Saraf. Ani, below Shliach. I want to go down to Mitzrayim. And take my kala, Chai Yisrael, out of Mitzrayim. Malachim said, Time out. There's two Midrashim on this. They said, You're a Kayan. Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. God, you're a Kayan. And Mitzrayim is full of Avayd Zara. It's Tame. You cannot go into Mitzrayim and become Tame. You're a Kayan. They did not want us to be saved the Malachim we were on the 49th level of Toma we were a bunch of lowlifes right another second in Mitzrayim we're done we were done we were on the 50th we couldn't come out now we're on the 50th we are on the 50th you can come out because we have the Torah they didn't have the Torah without the Torah on the, after the, on the 50th you can't come out so we had another we had a second that's why it says he took us out he took us out in a moment another moment we were done ski so Hashem said to the Malachim he said you're a client you can't go 
So Hashem said, but you know, there's a halacha that if there's truma in an earthen jar in a base akvaris, so the truma, since it's in the earthen jar, is not tamay, a kayin can go to save the truma, become tamay, and then go back get, get, and then become tar, you know, do his day, whatever he has to do, and then become tar, but he's allowed to save the truma. He says, Kleisrol is my truma. My truma, Kleisrol. I'm going in, even if I become tamay. This I totally don't understand, but it's the medrash. So the Allah said to Hashem, but you're the kind gadol. So if you become Tomei, who's going to make you Tahar? Who's going to sprinkle the Paraduma ashes on you? Hashem said, I'm not kind. That's what it says in the medrash. Okay. Malachim came back and said to Hashem, this is crazy, listen to this. They said, Hashem, the, the, the Egyptians are on the 49th level of Tomei. The Jews are on the 49th level of Tumor. If you're going to take one of them as your wife, right, as the Kala to the Chassan, why would you take the slave? Take the master. If they're equal, they're both low lives, right? So you wouldn't take the slave, you take the master. Why are you taking the slave? No, they're humble. They're both on the 49th level of low. Take, take the master. The, the slave's even lower. The slave's the slave. You have a master at this level, and you have a slave at this level. You don't marry the slave, you marry the master. So, okay, they were masking the malachim, take the Mitzrayim. Kill the Jews and take the Mitzrayim. So, listen to this. What? What was their problem? Because they, can, they, they didn't want us to get the Torah. The Torah was in Shemayim. And they cannot stomach how we treat God. They can't. He gives, us, he gives you life, He gives you everything. You human beings, you're so ungrateful. They, 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 they can't deal with us. That's why it says that after 120 years, the Zayar, it's brought down also in the Rosh Hashachma, I believe, that after 120 years, you get judged in the next world. But there are three courts, three Bezdins. Bezdin of Hashem. Whoever goes into the Bezdin of Hashem comes out innocent, no matter what you did in your life. Bezdin of the Gedolim, three Tzadikim that lived in your generation, Chatsi, 50% come out Zakai, okay. 50% come out guilty, 50% come out innocent. The Bezin of the angels, everybody goes out guilty. They have no patience for us. No matter what, no excuses, they don't accept excuses. Guilty, Gehenim, goodbye, have a good day, finish. If you go into that Bezin, you're Dunsky. They rip you to pieces. So they ask the question, how do you get into, like, how do you work that out? So it, if your whole life, if your whole life, you believed in Hashem, and you were very close to Hashem, and Hashem was like your father, so that's your relationship. So when you come up there and they have three courts, they send you to the court of Hashem. But since Hashem was like your father, your father's always going to find an excuse. He's not really, he's not really like that. The kid just broke the whole school, pulled the fire alarms, threw, threw thumbtacks in every Rebbe's chair, whatever it is, right? And then, and then she was like, you know, your son is totally out of control. We're going to have to throw him out. And you're like, no, you don't really know him. Just had a bad day. And, and he's really, he does chesed at home. He's your father. So no matter what the, the, the satan is saying bad about us in that courtroom, Hashem's like, yeah, let him go. The, the, the best, so that's a, a person who, uh, he didn't develop such relationship with Hashem, right? Like on that level, 
but he had a very good relationship with his rabbis and rabbanim. He had a lot of covet for rabbanim. He never spoke to Lashon Hara. This rabbi, this, this rabbi, that. I don't like this rabbi. He can't speak and he's too dead to death. Right? He was, he had kavoid harav, like the Sfaradim have, for the harav. So, he, that's where he goes. He goes into the bezin of the rabbis. He's got a good chance, 50-50. But the guy who's not close to Hashem and all he does is badmouth rabbis. This rabbi stole. This rabbi this. I don't like that. Right? So when he comes to the rabbis, they're like, you badmouth us. You don't believe in us. You didn't trust us. Why would we take you into Bezdin? Angel Bezdin. Dunsky, have a good day. You're done. So make sure you don't talk Lashon about Rabbanim. And the best thing, of course, is to develop a relationship with Akash Baruch. But anyway, how did I get to that? I'm so ADHD. Wow. ADD. I don't even know how I got to that. But okay. So why, why does it hurt me? Where, where was I going with this? So, so Akash Baruch says to the angels, um, I'm going to go down there and I'm going, to, I'm going to save them. And the angels are like, why the slaves? Why the slaves? Listen to this story. This is... When you, when you say the story over by the meal after two cups of wine, after eating, after eating matzah and marar, and you're on your highest level and you say the story, Shemaim shakes. Listen to the story. So there was a prince and he lost both his mother and his father, the king and the queen. And now it's his turn to take over the kingdom. And he's a really good looking, very rich kingdom. But in those days, they arranged marriages because they would have like the king of France, the prince of France marry the queen of the, the princess of England and that way both countries would become one. That's what they used to do. So they decided to take the prince to this next country to meet this most beautiful, beautiful princess. And they're going to get them to marry and bring the two kingdoms together. So they put him in a big coach. They the guards. The prince is now going to look for his wife. It's set up. It's a shidduch. It's going to go to the other land and on the way, it's a long trip. On the way, they come to this town at the crossroads, like an intersection. It's a very, very poor peasant village. And they stop. There's a little traffic, they stop. And the king has the window open to his carriage. The, the prince king now, the young, young king, has his window open. And all of a sudden, from the side on the road, Mamish laying in the mud. There's a girl laying in the mud. And she puts her hand out and she says, Sire, could you just give me alms for the poor, just something so I could get to eat? He's the king. It's, his, it's in his land. He looks down at this girl, filthy, in the mud, a peasant, disgusting looking, all kicked, and the guards come flying over like, you know, could be an assassin. They don't know what it is. And the king says, he says no, back up, back up, back up, back up. Pick the kid up, pick the girl up, pick the girl up. They pick her up. Filthy, disgusting. He says, sir, why don't you have anything to eat? She goes, my parents both died and nobody helps me. I don't even have a place to sleep. I sleep on the side of the road every night. He says, well, I'll make sure that you get helped. And, the, and, and right away the guys are like, uh-oh. He's, you know, we don't want a, a Romeo and Juliet over here. He's going to marry a queen, a princess of a, of a whole country. He starts talking to this girl in the mud. Um, and he says, why don't you hop into the carriage and we'll take you somewhere and we'll clean you up and we'll give you to eat. And they're like, no, 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 no. You can't put her in the carriage. She's filthy, mud, everything. That's it. He says, I have plenty of carriages. Put her in the carriage. And they're like, oh no. 
He's a young guy. Oh no, here we go. Here we go. These young guys, you know. Maybe he saw a movie like this. Like, who knows what, you know? The Prince and the Pauper. Who knows? So she gets in and he starts to talk to her. She's very intelligent. He starts to talk to her. He really, he's like, likes her. He says, stop the carriage. Turn it around. We're going back to the castle. Like, all his men are there. His advisors, everything. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, I think I fell in love. And they're like, fell in love, didn't fall in love. You're a king. This is not a book. This is not a movie. Get her out of the carriage and we're taking you to the next kingdom and stop this nonsense. He's like, you're talking to the king. This is what I want. And they're like, oh man. This is happening. We're going to lose the whole kingdom. First of all, we're going to get them upset. We're going to get them upset. And our kingdom's going to, like, our king's coming back with a, a peasant girl, filthy peasant girl. He's the king. They turn the carriage around. They come back to the castle. The moat comes down. Everyone's like, how did he get to that other land and come back with the princess that fast? Everyone's like, schmoozing like, what is that sitting next to him? What did he find? Right? And they, they, bring, they, bring, they bring her in. And the place is, you can imagine, the place is buzzing. Like, what happened over here? And of course, the, the top men of, of, the, of his kingdom are screaming at the guys who went with him. Are you crazy? You let her come back? You let her, are you, how could you do this? And they're like, he was going to take our heads off like he's the king. He turns around and he says, listen, I want you to take her to my mother's room. I want you to bathe her. I want you to give her perfume. And I want you to put makeup on her. I want you to do her hair. I want you to put on my mother's most beautiful gown. Eight o'clock tonight. I want her to be brought to the dining room. We're going to have dinner. And they're like, come on. We'll clean her up. We'll give her food. We'll buy her a house. We'll find her a husband. Not you. You're the king. No. This is what I want. Eight o'clock. She comes walking into the room. The most beautiful woman ever seen in the kingdom, ever. And even the advisors, they were like, whoa. And he's like, I told you. You know what I'm doing? How could you have seen through all that mud that she's so beautiful? He said, I got close to her. I saw what she looked like. So she sits down, like everyone's in order. They're just standing there because the girl that got out of that carriage and the girl looking at right now, two different people are here, it's done. She looks like a princess. But she was never trained in how to eat in a castle. And she's hungry. You wait for the king. You wait for all the people to start. They put the food down in front of her. No fork. The knives are there. The forks are there. She's a peasant. She starts ripping the chicken like, like an animal. She starts eating it. And everyone's like... And he's like, just, 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 just leave her alone. Just leave her alone. And his, his advisor is whispering in his ear like, hello, this is what we told you. You can't take the peasant out of the girl. You can take the girl, make her out of the peasant. You can wash her up. But you can't take the peasant out of the girl. He says, you see how beautiful she is on the outside? She's that beautiful on the inside. You'll give me time. Three months in etiquette, in learning. And she became the queen. And he married her. And she became the queen of the land. And because she understood the poor people and what she went through, she changed the whole country. It was never such an affluent, such a good, such a kind country ever again. Nice story, Robert Wallstein.
what's going on. Klai Yisrael is the girl in the mud. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was looking for a kawa. The Malachim said, what are you doing? If you're going to take a kawa on the 49th level of Tumah in the mud, in the dirt, in the filth, in Oide Avoyed Zara, you're going to take a kawa, take the masters. Don't take the slave. Hashem said to the Malachim, you don't know who Klai Yisrael is. You see the mud. You see the 49 levels of Tumah that they're in. You see the mud and the filth. Because Malachim, you're not close to them. But I heard their cries for the last 210 years. I know what's below all that. And I'm not going to let them be in the mud anymore. Because it's true, if I leave them there for another second, they'll never come out. The night of the Seder of Pesach night, Hashem fell in love with Klai Yisrael. In a moment, He looked at us and said, I want you to be my wife. That's Pesach night. But we were filthy. We didn't deserve it. We were not a princess. We were slaves on the 49th level of Tumah, not just slaves. And Hashem said, I am taking them out. I am washing them up. And Malachim said, but they're still slaves. They're still peasants. And Hashem said, I will teach them etiquette. I will bring them to a level of royalty. And that was us when we got married. When we got the, the Torah, is the book of etiquette. How to eat, how to sleep, how to walk, how to talk. What you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. The book, the ultimate book of etiquette was the Torah. And we are our Kodesh Baruch Hu's princess. And that Shavuos, Shavuos is the marriage. But it's not the marriage that's the important part. Because without falling in love, there is no marriage. Without that moment, there is no marriage. Without Pesach, there is no Shavuos. And that's why it says Shavuos is 49 days after Pesach. It doesn't give the date of the month that Shavuos is. Because without Pesach, there's no Shavuos. Without an engagement, there's no marriage. And that's why it hurts. It hurts so much that this year, because Baruch Hu came into the dirt, he took us out of the dirt, and he made us his princess. And so many of us turn around and say, we don't want you. We want to stay in the dirt. We want to marry someone in the dirt. We don't want you, king. We don't want you to clean us up. We don't want you to do our hair. We don't want to become a princess. We just want to be dirt. How much that would have hurt. Imagine, imagine this prince, after everything he did for her, she would have turned around and said, no, nah, it's not what I want. I want to go back to my dirt, to my mud. Imagine how his heart would have been broken. This is what's happening. When we're atheists, when we, when we don't believe, when we don't want, and Pesach's not a time that we want to be there with him. It's so painful. That's the moment of Pesach. And that's why it's called Olel Shemurim. It's the one night a year, not not Yom Kippur, That's not 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 the night of the marriage, the night of the engagement. The chassan says, nobody can touch you tonight. Nobody can go near you. Nobody can bother you. And that's why everyone who's listening, Moshe Rabbeinu.
is not mentioned in the Haggadah. Paro, Lavan, everybody. But the man, the man, Adam Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, all his struggles, the man, everything. He's the main man in the movie. He's the main man in the book. His name's not there one time. That's all it says. And all he says that because that's, we, we, we say, by, we say it and you can't leave him out. Nothing. Paro, Lavon, everybody but him. Everybody but him. Why? Because when a boy gets down on his knee and he asks the girl, will you marry me? The shachin is never there. There's no room for anyone else to be there. It's him and her. Hashem says, tonight, I fell in love with you. Where did Moshe come into this picture? He's a shachin. Shachin over, we're engaged. It's not, it's not a joke. It's, it's brought down. There's no room for you, Moshe. It's a zivug. It's just us and Hashem. Wow, and Shemaya must be painful. Painful that his children, who he dressed up, who he picked as a kala, for no reason, makes no sense. 49th level Tumah, slaves, I'm like, what? What are you doing? We'll go there. They said, you know what they said in the Medrash? We'll take them out of Mitzrayim. Malachim said, we'll take them out of Mitzrayim. We'll handle it. We'll wipe out the Mitzrayim. We'll take. He said, you're going to hold my collar's hand? No, 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 no. And not hold her hand, of course. Show me the gear. I'm not saying on that level, but you're, you're, you're going to take my collar. You're going to take my collar out? Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. That's my collar. Lo malach, lo shliach, lo saraf, nobody. Me. Just me. But you know what we answered Hashem? We were up to the challenge. We said to Hashem, Hashem said, it's very romantic. It is very romantic between Shir Hashem, between Klai Yisrael and Hashem. It's very romantic. Hashem said, Leich teich acharaba midbar. I don't have a ring for you yet. I didn't buy you a bracelet. I don't even have a rose. I'm proposing to you with nothing. Go with me into the midbar with nothing. I have nothing. And Kalaisho said, okay. Shashuli, right? We know the Basit. Kalaisho said, we're there. We're going. We don't need your ring. We don't need your rose. We need you. How far have we fallen? How far have we fallen from a place where Hashem said, I have nothing to give you right now. I'm going to give it to you. 49, you're going to get it. 49 days, you're going to get it. I'm going to give you the ring. You're going to have a chuppah. A couple of hockey gigas. I'm going to give you a chuppah. I'm going to give you jewelry. Luchos made out of sapphire. I'm going to give you the ring. Right now, I don't have anything. Magic guy goes down on his knees. Sister, will you marry me? And he's like, okay, uh, Oh, I, I don't have any, I don't have a right ring. Oh, oh, okay, I understand. No, I don't even have a bracelet. Oh, okay, that's okay. Uh, I, I didn't even bring a rose. I didn't even bring a rose. Really? Um, okay, uh, nothing. Uh, can we go out to eat? No, sorry. They had no food. They had no tzedah. They had nothing. He didn't even eat food! Nothing! They went out with nothing! She's like, okay, let's go get pizza. No, I don't have money for pizza. Nothing! Just me. Just me. Christ said, let's go. 
that moment never happened again and never ever happened before. That's Pesach night. That's when you're sitting by the Seder. Hashem comes with all the malachim, says the Kabayasha, and he says, Listen to how my Kala is talking about me with her friends. He's handsome, he's brave, he's rich, he's strong, he's powerful. That's what we're talking about. Tayenu. We're a good Kala. Don't, don't get me wrong. We're a good Kala. You were just thinking, I'm going to try with anything else. Says, Enough! You want us to Hasinai, but you didn't even give us the ring. Right? You took us to the jewelry store, but you didn't give us the ring. Ah, good enough, you took me to the jewelry store. We were good once upon a time. Dayenu, we were good. We have to take it back, guys. We have to take it back. May we all be zaycha to see Alexander Betchias Amesim in the base of Midash. May we all be zaycha to get this feeling back that we had once upon a time. Good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.